Thank you for listening to this edition of the Christian Car Guy podcast. It's brought to you by Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road. Mr. Quick Pick is the opportunity for you to start your own roadside assistance business. If you have more investment energy than investment capital, stop working for someone else. Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road is the opportunity to have your own home-based business, working directly with auto clubs and leveraging a national brand and marketing strategy. Mr. Quick Pick helps people who have run out of gas, lock their keys in their car, or need a jump start. An A-plus rated company with a better business bureau and the three-time winner of the Member's Choice Award for customer service. This could be the chance you've been looking for to serve others at the point of crisis and even share your walk with Christ. So whether you're looking for a business opportunity or in need of emergency roadside assistance, choose Mr. Quick Pick Lock and Road, mrquickpick.com. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast of the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. That driving feeling Oh, that driving feeling Christian Car Guy Radio Show I say this calls for action and now Nip it in the bud Nip it in the bud You got to nip it in the bud Negotiations Bible Style Bible style. Bible, 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 Bible. Bible style. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Here come the Dutch boys. Those good guys are back. With a look in their eye. They mean business this time. Last week we had so much fun. This is, by the way, this is the Christian Car Guy show. If you're wondering, what was that craziness? <laughs> That's my new no craziness. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. But anyway, last week on the Christian Car Guy show, we had so much fun with our Father's Day favorites. However, so many didn't get a chance to share their dad's favorite car. We had so many calls from folks wanting to share, but from what I understand from several folks that the lines were busy, we had all these calls. So even my own dad couldn't get in to tell us about his dad's favorite car. So we want to give you a chance today, by all means, if you didn't get in last week, we're going to make the same offer. I will send you out my father's favorite certificate with a picture of your father's car and the logo. I had a lot of fun doing that for all those that did it this week. And I'm going to give you, my father said, I say the cell telephone number too fast, Jerry. <laughs> so I'm going to say it slow. It's real slow. Real slow. Eight, <laughs> six, six. It's toll-free. That's what it's telling you. 866-348-7884. So 866-348-7884 if you want to call in. And you did get a chance last week to share your father's favorite car. We would love to hear the story. You know, my father's got quite a story I understand about my grandfather's car, and we're anxious to hear yours. So 866 866- Three four eight seven eight eight four, and by all means, we'll get you out a certificate as well. And of course, this is the week for Christian Car Guy Theater. So at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear the ongoing saga of Pride Takes a Ride, 
on Christian Car Guy Theater. I think you're going to love that show. And that's that's coming up at the bottom of the hour at 1030 in, in Eastern time. If you're out west, I guess, wow, you're up early. It's yeah. like 730. Real early. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to make sure that people got a chance to do that. And now I would also say, Jerry and I, since this whole idea of restoring your father's favorite, you know, what's what goes into that? If you decide, you know, I recently had a listener that had a 1984 um, Oldsmobile that she wanted to restore, and all the that goes into deciding whether or not to restore that, you know, that's a big decision, right, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, you need to, you know, there's a lot of thought process that has to go into it and really laying out the, the cost because it is not an in, inexpensive endeavor for sure. Yeah, you, so you you have the, um, the whole issue of, you yeah. know, you know the thing the cost, is, yeah. but also is it even possible? Because right. unless you're in the ability to manufacture certain parts, you know those things come into play. So we gotta, you know, try to think through that process. We're gonna get into some of that, and then you know, there's there's all sorts of things you may not know about that process. And again, I'm not the expert on that. This is my thing, but Jerry does a lot of it, and. Of course, if you've got a question or comment about that kind of thing, it would be a good day to call in and uh, and find out about that. But we got uh, some folks calling in want to share Lines their father's favorite. Up. Yeah, so we'll get Ann is in Edmond, Washington. Ann, you're on the Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning. Morning, how are you? I am wonderful. Tell me about your father's favorite. Okay, now this car is really interesting because it's, it's very old and it was when I was a child. I'm Uh-huh. The station wagon made out of wood, and it was the same car that you see on Roy Rogers yeah. on his old movie. Yeah, they called that a Woody. That was a Ford. That yeah. was that was really a cool car. It wasn't car. just a decal on it, was it? It was, <laughs> it was made out of wood. Oh, if you had that now, those things are worth a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> those woodies are really, really, really cool. So do you remember about what year the car was? I think those, well, this was in the, uh, yeah, I was born in 46, and that was an older, probably older than that. So I'm guessing that car that was the new car was probably made in the, All uh, right. in the maybe around 42, because I, and I think that's, I, I, I have old Roy Rogers movies that I watch, and I see that car on. How cool is that? Well, and I appreciate you calling and being up so early this morning in Washington. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And we'll get that certificate out to you. Thank you. Oh, you don't have to send me anything. Oh, yeah, we want to. By all means. <laughs> well, we have Sharon is also in Edmonds. Washington this morning. They're all out this hey, morning. Washington, everybody's up. You're on the Christian Car Guys show. Good morning. Good morning. So tell me about your father's favorite. Well, I would say that it was a Plymouth that he accidentally won. It was shortly after World War II, and cars were not easily available. 
My father worked in the meat department of a grocery store. A good regular customer came in selling raffle tickets. Our family saved money and would not usually waste what I believe was one dollar on something (laughs) like this. When my father won, others wanted to buy the car, but my father did not sell. Thankfully, my father didn't regularly buy raffle tickets after this and did not become a gambler. <laughs> so this was this was like a 46 or 47 Plymouth. Yeah, way back there. <laughs> Hot, those were neat cars. And did it was it a two-door or a four-door? Do you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> those were neat, Jerry. Did it, it uh, my father had this 36 model a Nash and it had this funny kind of roof that was like vinyl in the top, but it was almost like a sunroof up there. Was that the, like that in that old Plymouth? I have no idea. I I was I I think I probably was eight or nine years old at the time, and yeah. the only reason I know about this is it's written up in one of the life stories. Actually, my mother's life story that she wrote. <laughs> Yeah, well, how many people got to win a car? I mean, that's just something, and I think that is so cool. Sharon, God bless you. I appreciate you so much calling in and sharing your father's favorite this morning. Thank you. All right. I love your um, program, and uh, it's on KCIS 6.30 a.m. Uh, in right near Edmonds. Oh, okay. Well, that's why we, boy, you guys are up early this morning. I really appreciate you calling. God bless Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I like your program. Thanks. We have a lot of listeners out there in Washington, but we have a listener who is in in uh, Blues Creek, North Carolina this morning, a very special one, my own father, who I was sad we didn't get a chance to hear about his father's favorite car. You would have thought you'd had some kind of connection to be able to get him. <laughs> you got some pull, Dad. You're on the Christian Car Guy Show, Dad. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I am so excited. It's like the original Christian Car Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to call in and uh, tell you about my uh, father's uh, favorite car, and it was uh, Dodge. He had a uh, he had several Dodges, but I remember the favorite was a 1940 Dodge. And uh, uh, your old dad would be 113 if he were still alive. So, but I wanted to. Uh, to uh, well, Dad, we got to talk. We got to talk about the 40 Dodge just for a second now. Okay. Uh, you remember the Nash really well and, and the, the, how you discovered the overdrive. You ought to tell well, our the, listeners about that. Okay. The overdrive, uh, you know, the old cars had a vent in the uh, middle of the uh, right in front of the windshield. And I thought that the uh, handle uh, for that vent, uh, so I, I, you know, I was driving the old Nash and I pushed that handle down and, uh, then when I happened to release the uh, the gas pedal, the overdrive kicked in, and I didn't even know the car had overdrive. But uh, <laughs> that's that's how it all came about. So, so Grandpa's forty Dodge was that a V eight or a six, or do you remember? No, no, that was. Uh, I don't think Chrysler or Dodge had the V eight at that point. It was a uh, straight line six. And, uh, uh, well, we got to go break, that. so we got to stay tuned. Um, Dad, stay with us for a minute. And okay. we want to give that number again if you want to call in and share your father's favorite. 866 348 7884. We'd love to hear it.
Welcome back to the Christian Car Guy Show this morning. We are doing a little continuation on what was your father's favorite and then maybe even a little bit of what you goes into restoring a car if you decided to restore your father's favorite or maybe your favorite. What what are some of the decisions that you make? What might you be facing? Um, the good news is that there could be a tremendous payoff if you've watched What's the name of that show, Dad? Do you like so much? The <laughs> uh, uh, Jackson Auction Show, uh, which is, I can't tell you what channel it's on, but uh, it's on TV. Yeah, and they they show those cars going through the auction. The interesting thing we saw last weekend, as I was watching it with my dad, was that some of the newer cars, you know, the muscle cars, the Corvettes and stuff like that, bring way more money than you know, say a 27, you know, Ford or whatever, that was kind of shocking to me. Yeah, the old cars have uh, kind of gone out of vogue in the uh, the uh, cars of the 50s and 60s and 70s are the ones that uh, uh, seem to be the more popular at the auction. And now to a lot of us, Dad, the cars from the 50s and 60s are pretty old. But in your case, oh. well, you, you think old car, you're thinking Model T and stuff like that, right? Right, right. And you said you saw some Model A's running around just just the other day, and it's it's pretty. Right. Yeah, out here uh, close to uh, Blues Lake, I uh, saw a Model A four door and a, a two door, and both were in pristine condition. So, Dad, you you have restored some cars in your time, and um, what would you say is a major consideration before somebody takes on that challenge? In your view. Well, it, it's a big challenge uh, because uh, how we restored cars and how it's being done today is quite different. Uh, the uh, Today, most of the uh, really great restorations are uh, the, the, they take the vehicle off the chassis and completely restore it, and then the, the paints that they're using uh, have a lot more, oh, I don't know, uh, shininess and glow than they did in the past but uh it's quite an expensive project yeah well that's uh, what i ran into as i and i was telling jerry we had this mutual listener friend that that called wanting to restore this 84 and when i called that they talked about they were going to take all the panels off the car and go dip them in acid and that was thirty eight hundred dollars before you even got started just to stop the rust from going on and that that's part of what's taking it down right jerry yeah i mean it's just you know that you know when you're doing something like that the first thing you need to do is get a cost get a good realistic what it's going to cost you because the bad thing is i see so many people who start a project and then realize that the cost just keeps escalating escalating and they never had an idea it was going to start running into that kind of money and it's you know then all of a sudden you're backed into a corner but yeah you know the Especially in this area, you know, rust is a is a factor, and acid dip in it is the uh, is the answer because what it does it, it neutralizes all the rust and the panels, and it sort of eats all those wherever rust is, it'll eat it out of it. And so then the bad thing is a lot of times you'll look like you have a whole car, or a whole frame until you dip it, and you come back out and you go, oh my goodness, what in the world am I going to do now? I mean, because it will certainly. Uh, well, get you down you, to good metal. It's an interesting dilemma because you, a new car these days, you can easily spend forty thousand dollars on a new car, and to restore one of these cars may cost you twenty thousand. But at the end of that, it may be worth thirty thousand. It may be worth 
but you still have all these issues. And one of the other big issues, besides how much it's going to cost, and there's a, a Bible verse along those lines, you know, which King doesn't sit down and count the cost before he gets into a war or builds, you know, a bridge so he isn't embarrassed that gets halfway through it and can't finish it. But is when I am I going to even be able to find parts for this? Because there are certain parts that, you know, in the old days, in the Model T's and the Model A's, you could fashion those till the cows come home. But when you're talking about cars from the 70s and 80s, you, it's not it's quite the same deal, is it, Jim? Yeah, and, you know, the, the other issue is there's so many aftermarket parts available, but there's a lot of quality issues on some of that. So sometimes when you think you're getting, well, okay, it's not going to cost me but this much, the quality of the part is not really what you would want to be putting on. So, I mean, there's good quality aftermarket parts, and then there's some cheaper knockoff parts with not as good of a quality. So all of that stuff's what you need to really is just sit down. If you're even thinking about that, is like I say, get your costs together, talk to somebody who has some experience doing it, and also where to get parts and what parts. You know, you still can make a lot, especially body panels. You start restoring a car, you better have somebody who can fabricate body panels because that's going to have to be done. Um, Yeah, it's it's a job for a professional, not an amateur. Unless you're, you know, you're just restoring it for your own use. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen, I've gone to, to, to people bring me pictures where, well, I thought I could do this project at home in the garage, and then they have got the biggest mess you've ever seen. Well, then talking about the paint, my da- as my dad was saying, these new paints, boy, would you look at the depth of, of what they've done and whatever. The, the, the material itself isn't inexpensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about a urethane system and some of these candy colors and glamour colors. I mean, there's some cars that have factory-packed paint, and it's not unusual for me to have one or two of them come through the shop a week that has some paint on it that may be $800 a pint with a base coat. That doesn't count your undercoats, your sealers and primers, and then your clear coat on top of it because of this flake, you know, that, that's in it. The pearls that are in it is just, I mean, it's really crazy. 800 that's 800. your cost. That's my cost. <laughs> yeah. One pint. How many pints does it take to paint a car? Well, if you had to do a car, you're talking about, you know, and all over you're looking at base coat, at least a gallon of base coat. So then you start bringing that out. I mean, you're talking price of a car almost uh, for the material that goes on it so it's it it adds up quickly you know and and mitsubishi has this red pearl and it's one of them that is about eight hundred dollars a pint for base coat and that's a factory color came out on the eclipse is one color i'm having to do my math kim can you help me out is it four pints in a gallon four gallon four quarts and four pints in a quart four quarts in a gallon is 16 pints at eight hundred dollars a pint, yeah. and sixteen get, times eight. You're right. It is uh, a price of a car. Yeah, so it, wow. Well, Dad, thank you so much for sharing about your father's forty Dodge, and maybe you've got one that we're gonna do this episode of Christian Car Guy Theater. Probably takes a ride right after this break. In the last segment, you can call us with your father's favorite. We'd love to hear it. Eight. God bless your son. Thank you, Dad. Eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four. So much more Christian Car Guy show coming up. Now time for Christian Car Guy Theater. With today's episode, Pride Takes a Ride, Part 2. 
time on Pride Takes a Ride. You know, that was pretty rude back there. Just stop preaching at me, okay? You know what? <laughs> I'm done. It's obvious that you were just too immature. But, but Allie... D-O-N-E. Done. Jimmy walks back towards his Jeep absolutely brokenhearted. The Under the Hood gang are concerned. Oh, Monsieur Jimmy, is this Ali? She is not ready for a relationship. Is that not right, Kramer Crankshaft? Yep, Frenchy Fender. In my world, things blow up in circular arguments. Allie can't get her bearings with no truth to hold on to. Oh, Jimmy, you foolish boy. Hey, Jimmy, that's the way it is with these dolls. Especially them Russian nesting ones. They're full of themselves. And now, part two. As Jimmy heads off, Allie heads into the strip mall to look for those shoes. When who should she run into but that photographer from the fair vanity agency she told Jimmy about. Well, hello again. Remember me? I gave you my card the other day. Yeah, I remember. And your name is Brad, right? Ooh, good memory. And I'm sorry, but I'm afraid I forgot your name. That's not good when I forget the name of a pretty girl like you. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. It's Allie. That's right. Allie. It looks like fate that I keep running into you. And just to let you know, I did get that project lined up here for the next week or two. Oh, no. Look at that clock up there. I'm late for an appointment. Sorry to run, Allie, but I have a feeling I'll be seeing you around. Um, okay. Good to see you again. See, he's a perfect gentleman. Jimmy was wrong. I know a good guy when I see one. Meanwhile, Jimmy is driving along talking to himself. Why does this hurt like this? I mean, I don't love this girl, do I? It's bad enough she's dumping me, but that photographer dude sounds really scary. Maybe I'll go by and see the sheriff about this guy. At least doing that might be constructive. I just don't get it. I know Allie's got her pride side, but I thought for sure she would see Jesus in Pastor Jack, or in Nahum, or even in me, and fall in love with Jesus like I did. Jimmy pulls up to the sheriff's office and walks in. Both the sheriff and Deputy Eustace are behind their desks. Jimmy, you look like someone just killed your dog, boy. What happened? Yeah, that's just how I feel, Sheriff. Allie just dumped me for, of all things, preaching to her. And Sheriff, if that's not bad enough, she told me that a guy from some crazy fair vanity photography modeling agency saw her in the coffee shop the other day and he offered to take some pictures for a magazine. If she's ever in LA, I mean, come on, seriously? Sounds pretty creepy if you ask me. Do you guys know anything about a stranger like that? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact... Oh, the uh... old photo shoot caper, huh? Well, you know, I thought I smelled a rat the other day when we met that young fellow. Uh, right? Eustace? Weren't you supposed to be taking those wanted posters over to the post office? Why don't you run on over there and let me speak to young Jimmy here? You know how Postmaster Snyder gets to fretting when you don't keep those things up to date. What do you mean? Oh, but Sheriff, you want me to go over there just when something really juicy comes in? This is what I've been waiting for. This is really some real police work oh, come on sheriff uh, doggone it can't those posters just wait now eustace we want to keep the postmaster happy and this isn't really that big a deal it's just a stranger in town it's not like it's a crime scene or anything you better get going eustace you know the postmaster be calling any minute go on now it won't take you that long 
Boy, doggone postmaster Schneider, I, I can hear him now. Deputy Eustace, it's our federal responsibility to have those posters updated every time a suspect is apprehended. Lives are at stake, deputy. Oh, brother. Jimmy, boy, you shouldn't ought to dangle that kind of carrot in front of Eustace. Believe me, he'd have us on shutdown. Eustace would be contacting the governor for National Guard backup in a Beaver County minute. <laughs> yes, Sheriff, sorry. You are right about that. So let's go back to Allie and the photographer. I have noticed a California plate on a late model Mustang at both the coffee shop and the strip mall. Today, as a matter of fact, I ran the license plate just to make sure. Strange, though. It's a rental car with Enterprise. So I thought to myself, why would an L.A. photographer rent a car to come to Beaver County? That's good work, Jimmy. I'm really glad you told me about this. Thanks, Sheriff. So, Allie broke up with you. It looks like this is really a tough blow, Jimmy. Anything you want to talk about? It's kind of like somebody punching you in the stomach and you can't punch him back, right? That's a good way to put it, Sheriff. It really is hard to figure out. I mean, I, I just thought nothing could be better than to share my faith with her. And now look what that's gotten me. Believe me. I've walked in those shoes a time or two myself, trying my best to help someone I really care about with the most important thing I could share with them. And yet, they not only rejected Christ, but they rejected me along with him. Look, Jimmy, I, I know it's painful, and what I'm going to advise sounds like the last thing you want to do right now. But son, if you ever needed Jesus' help, this is where Jesus really shines. This is where he is really visible. It's kind of his thing to touch hearts. And this is a heart issue. You need to ask for his help and get quiet and just listen for your next step. I promise Jesus has one for you. Just don't get it. I totally understand where you're coming from, Jimmy. I lost a job one time, a really good job I'd worked for all my life. And the last thing I wanted right then was to pray. But you know, a dear friend told me that I just needed to get quiet and listen. I said to my friend, Quiet? <laughs> I'm telling you, Jimmy, there were voices screaming to me to get even. It was going to be my turn to go all the way to the governor. But you know what? By God's grace, I got quiet before the Lord, and Jesus told me that he had a new place where he needed me to be. Yep. It was right here, Beaver County, USA. This is where I met my wife, and it was here where I adopted her seven-year-old son who lost his daddy in a car accident. I can't imagine my life without Susie and Billy. And as a side note, Jimmy, two years later, the boss I was sharing Jesus with called me out of the blue to let me know he had accepted our Savior. And he told me he wished he would have listened to me years ago. That was the best advice I was ever given, Jimmy, other than meeting Jesus. So, go get quiet and listen. I think I will go and do just that, Sheriff. Thank you. You bet, Jimmy. What do you say we start you out right here? Jesus, Jimmy and I need to come to you now. And I 
Know that whenever two or more are gathered in your name. Jimmy jumps into his Jeep and heads towards the mountain to pray. The gang under the hood is certainly all shook up as well. Frenchy Fender kicks it off. Oh, mon ami! <laughs> Quel dommage! Monsieur Jimmy's heart is shattered. He is blue as in a petty racing team, Fender. <laughs> oh, Gracie Gastank, what do we do with this one? This one needs more octane than I got, thank you very much. Prayer is exactly what he needs, and we can pray with him. I think he's headed to his prayer spot on the mountain. I saw that one coming. And they don't call me Wally Windshield Washer for nothing. But seeing isn't what Jimmy needs right now. It's hearing. I'm praying God will tell him something to help his heart. This here reminds me of Winona. She was only a whiskey maker, but I loved her still. Oh, brother. Oh, hey, how crude, Guido. Hey, this is four-stroke humor. Hey, hey, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> Guido Gasket and Mosey Motorel's humor, as usual, has caused Hammy Tensioner's wrath. Oh, Guido, just for once, could you be serious? Jimmy's really hurting here. Ah, oh, Tammy, don't be so high-strung. High-strung? Ha! I'll give you high-strung. Ernest and Julio, the gallows for you, Guido. Tune in next month for another exciting installment of Pride Takes a Ride, right here on Christian Car Guy Theater. Now, here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. <laughs> you know, Randy, being crushed can be very depressing. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> yes, but many times, that's when God does his best work. Jimmy is really taking a good path on this struggle. He's asking Jesus and listening. You know, there seems to be some real evil lurking here, and Jesus can see what's really going on with the enemy. That's why this prayer is so important, Danny. <laughs> That's why he's heading to the mountains to get a peek. Am I right, Randy? Oh, boy. Say goodbye, Danny. <laughs> See you later, Radiator. Now all of a sudden she started knocking down the gym. She started to rock and I looked in the mirror. Red light was blinking. The cops was after my hot rod Lincoln. They arrested me and they put me in jail and they called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Welcome back to the Christian Car Guy Show. A continuation of our father's favorites from last week, but also, you know, what would it take to restore your father's favorite or these older cars, some thoughts that go into that process and maybe your questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH for the digitally gifted. You write that down fast. We have Carrie is in STEM, North Carolina. She has her father's favorite. Kemp, Carrie, you're on the Christian Car Guy show. You waited so long. Thank you. Hi, Robbie. I love your show. Well, I have so much fun doing it. <laughs> you know, it's pretty cool that I get to <laughs> get paid to do something so fun. Um, what, what was your dad's favorite? Well, my dad passed away in January. Oh. So it kind of touched my heart to call in. Um, when I was 
before, my dad had a 1939 full hot rod with oh, a wow. bucket. And um, back then, we didn't need seat belts, so we sat on the <laughs> on the leather cover, covered box in the back. So he had it fixed up to be a hot rod. It was a hot rod. It was a two bucket hot rod. Oh. <laughs> Man, those are cool. And, you know, Bob from 109, you pull it, we had a, a show with some of his son's favorite cars out there, and he had some of those hot rods parked out there. But that, that I bet your dad spent some time out there. Did you spend some time with him? Yes, yes. He taught me a lot of car stuff. Yes. And, and I think that that's some valuable father, son, father, daughter you know, I, so many daughters have called into the show over the years at the time they spent out with their father, you know, changing the oil or, or working on the front suspension or whatever. You know, it's it's valuable to know that your, your father wants to spend the time with you, but it's also valuable information to learn, you know, wow, this is what a dipstick is and <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was the type of guy who would take it apart and then figure out how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid I am too, but God bless you, Carrie. Thank you so much for calling in. I look forward to send you out your certificate. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Well, we still have time to get your father's favorite in if you'd like, 866-348-7884. I'd love to hear it. But, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, this is the section where I do my appraisal by the Real Black Book where we search the Bible for hidden treasure and cry out for the sermon and this week I had a phenomenal thing. You know, I was thinking about when you restore a car or you see a car that's been restored, if, if you ever watch the old movie, which I don't, it's, it's, it's not a very clean movie, but it was for those of us that were in the car business, it was kind of a classic movie called Used Cars. <laughs> and he would always talk about that this, that this taxi cab was coming out from underneath the car, you know, because they used to repaint taxi cabs. And so they would say, oh, that's not a taxi cab, that's yellow primer. So underneath a car sometimes is <laughs> underneath that original coat, Jerry, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can hide it, a lot of stuff <clears throat> under <laughs> is an indication of what may really be there and taxi cabs, you know, not the kind of used car you would normally want to buy. But the Bible has something for that. It, it talks a lot about masks in the New Testament, but there is a passage in the Song of Solomon, and those who know me well know it's my favorite book, and I have studied this passage for years and years trying to understand exactly what it meant. And it's, it's Song of Solomon chapter 5, and the interesting thing is I get to preach about this whole thing um, tomorrow at Peace Church in Durham, so anybody who wants to join us up there, that'd be really fun. But the passage talks about, at the very beginning, it says, I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride, I've gathered my myrrh with my spice, and this picture of this, and I've, I've thought for some time that this is likely a picture of our husband, Jesus, coming in to his garden. What garden did Jesus come into? Well, he came into Gethsemane. And there's another hint that this is probably a picture of Gethsemane when he asks and he knocks on the door and he says, my hair is wet. It's, it's damp from the dew of the night. Well, if you remember in Gethsemane, Jesus prayed real so hard that he sweat great drops of blood. And, and so some clues inside of that, but it says she slept, but her heart was awake. Well, what happened to the disciples? You know, when they were in Gethsemane, they, they, kept falling asleep <laughs> they couldn't get up which is kind of what happens to the beloved in this picture of the song in solomon is she can't stay awake enough and they're not her lover's knocking on the door and jesus is saying get up get up you know there's stuff going on 
And then he disappears, and she can't find him. And around the eighth chapter, the sixth verse, except it's the fifth chapter, the sixth verse, it says, I opened to my lover, but my lover had departed. He was gone. My soul went out to him when he spoke. I searched for him, but he didn't find me. I called for me. He didn't answer. The guards made their rounds in the city. They found me. They beat me. They bruised me. The guards on the walls took my veil from me. Now, I have those sets of verses right there have puzzled me for years. I'm, I'm telling you, there's times, Jerry, I would spend weeks just trying to figure out what that meant. And this week, as I got ready to, 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 to share this message in Durham, it finally hit me. If this is Gethsemane, and if this is a picture of this, likely, no matter what, it's a beautiful picture of what happened to Peter. Because Peter, he was asleep, but his heart was awake, right? And then he followed Jesus and the watchmen on the walls, they, did, they didn't beat Peter physically, but boy, did they beat him emotionally. They said, aren't you one of him? And they took away his cloak. Think about what they did. They took away his veil. In Peter's heart, he wasn't at a point yet where he fully trusted what Jesus was telling him. He obviously didn't fully believe that Jesus had this all under control and he was going to be knocking on his door in three days. So honestly, Peter was a taxi cab. He was painted yellow underneath. You didn't know it, and Peter didn't know it. And so at first you think, well, those watchmen on the walls, which are always a picture of people praying in the Bible, these watchmen on the walls did him wrong, but no, they didn't. What a present they gave Peter so that he could see what was real. I've always thought of the denial of Peter as being a really horrible thing, but I never thought of it being at least it revealed what was true so that Peter knew how Satan wanted to sift him like wheat that Peter's heart wasn't right at that point when he denied Christ, and it showed Peter something about himself when they pulled the veil off. They beat him, they bruised him, they took away his cloak. Now the question for all of us is, when were you beaten? When were you bruised and your mask got taken off and you saw what was really true about how you felt about Jesus? That's a present. Because then Jesus can can begin to do what he did for Peter. He restored Peter. Remember the whole fireside chat thing (laughs) that happened when, you know, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? And he's, and he's, what he's doing is he's trying to give Peter a real heart, not the one that's being covered up with the, with the yellow primer deal. (laughs) You see the picture, Jerry, have you ever thought about that? You know, when you're sitting there saying that, and, and, and you know what passage came to mind for me is Matthew is it 7, 22, where, where, where Christ is saying, you know, and, and people come in, you know, at Judgment Day, you know, I, I did miracles. I, I was a believer. I followed you. I had the bumper sticker on the car, the fish. I did all this stuff. And you're telling me you don't even know me? So what that tells me is the same thing is sometimes we need to we still have that responsibility as a Christian to make sure we pull that veil off of ourselves and others around us that we do have that true understanding of what Jesus Christ is and what the gospel is. Yeah, that's an amazing passage. And I have enjoyed my time there this week in thinking about what my veils may look like and and something to repent of to see, God, what, what would be revealed if you could really take a look if they put the pressure on me? So... Primer is an important thing, isn't it, Jerry? Yeah. (laughs) 
covers a well, lot of the badness. Well, so. thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guys show and sharing your father's favorites. And over the last two weeks, it's been so much fun. And I certainly thank the Christian Car Guy Theater team. They do so much work. It's all volunteer, by the way. They do that all just to glorify God, and they are so talented. I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for to you for listening and for uh, sharing the Christian Car Guys show. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. Thank <laughs> you.